We're the Denver Broncos cheerleaders, and you're listening to Sports Crunch with DCROM. This is Sports Crunch with D-Crom. I'm your host, David Cromlow. Joined as always by my right-hand man, Hale Bent, to full press coverage. All I can say is, wow. If week two of the 2022 NFL season didn't show you why we watched this amazing game year after year, then what did? With not one, not two, but three improbable comeback victories last Sunday, last week was truly one for the ages. And just two weeks in, we've had a record 12 games decided by three points or less. And, Hale, I obviously hate to sound like a broken record, but do you think we're in for the wildest NFL season ever? <laughs> uh, this is the, you know, the NFL's dream of parity that they've wanted for so long. And, you know, you just look at all those one-and-one -one teams that are out there or zero one and one however you these weird <laughs> ties already messing us up but um but yeah this this is a crazy season yet again and, and these first two weeks have been you know outside of buffalo incredibly unpredictable so yeah i'm looking forward to week three being just as crazy as week one and week two i can't wait Neither can I, Hal, and we have a lot of fun games to talk about, and we'll talk about those games later, but let's talk more about week two in the first place. Uh, what was your biggest lesson learned this past week, Hal? Man, I'll tell you, uh, somebody that I think the NFL's been sleeping on a little while, Darius Slay in Philadelphia. Prime time performance reminding everybody in the NFL he is still an elite cornerback. He is still a force to be reckoned with, and that revitalized Philadelphia defense, you know, with that offense that they've got going in Philly now, and that defense coming back and looking so strong this year, uh, led by Slay. I mean, what a great performance. I mean, just ended this week in a perfect place. Uh, don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on Philly. Darius Slay saying, I am a number one cornerback, and don't anybody forget. Oh, that is a great one, Hal. I completely agree about the Eagles. We're going to talk a little bit more about them later on. But uh, let's talk about uh, another team led by a quarterback that went to the University of Alabama. <laughs> I am talking about the Miami Dolphins, who proved that they are going to be a thorn in everybody's side this season with that 21-point come-from-behind victory in the fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens on the road. And the biggest lesson I learned from that game, Tua Tungavoiloa, he may not be as special as Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow, for that matter, but he may be a very good quarterback after all. The Dolphins have finally given him an offense that best fits what he does the best. His precision passing to get the ball to playmakers and have the make play. He's got two of the best playmakers in the league in Tyree Kill and uh, Jalen Waddle. But another thing that impressed me about Tua at Alabama was his incredibly short memory. Like this guy uh, was thrust in in the national championship game against Georgia as a true freshman replacing Jalen Hurts. And he got sacked for like 15 yards and it seemed like Georgia was going to win the game. But on the very next play, he finds Devontae Smith for a touchdown to win the whole thing. 
that is what really uh, suggested to me that Tua had a future in the NFL. And uh, he is finally showing that he is th the same kind of guy that he was at Alabama because he has the personnel now around him in large part, but also because of how he's wired. Just look at these stats of the fourth quarter. You have to give credit where credit is due to Tua. Since 2020, Tua is second in QBR in the fourth quarter, second in adjusted completion percentage in the fourth quarter. He has the second lowest off-target percentage in the fourth quarter, the second highest in tight window completion percentage in the fourth quarter, eighth in yards per pass attempt in the fourth quarter, and 11th in touchdown to INT ratio in the fourth quarter. Tua Tagovailoa, uh, I am not ready to call him a franchise quarterback just yet, but he is not a bust whatsoever. I think the Dolphins, even though they're, they're probably going to be heartbroken for a long time that they passed on Herbert, I think Tua has a great opportunity to eliminate a lot of that pain going forward. Definitely, definitely, David. I could not agree more. Um, silence some critics, including me, uh, <laughs> with that performance there on Sunday. That was, you know, one of those amazing games. And yeah, I mean, he put the ball in, in their hands and made those plays. So all the credit to Tua. Now comes the hard part for young quarterbacks that consistency week in and week out. And that's what we've got to see. And I think that's what we're waiting to see. But he showed that potential is there for sure. Oh, absolutely. I cannot wait to see more of this Miami Dolphins team in action beginning this weekend when they take on the Buffalo Bills. And we're going to preview that game in just a little bit. But uh, first, let's uh, stick with our week two recap and give our go to the week award. And I am going out on a little bit of a limb here. We praise Dan Campbell all the time for the culture he is building in Detroit and for good reason. And last Sunday found a poster boy to symbolize that culture. And I'm not talking about Aiden Hutchinson. I'm not talking about Jared Goff. I'm not talking about Almond Ross St. Brown. Do you know who I'm talking about? I'm talking about Dan Skipper. Dan Skipper, a six-year NFL veteran who hadn't started a game in his life before last Sunday. He made his first start playing guard. And guard was a position he never even played before this season. He was even cut from the lines during the preseason for crying out loud. And on Sunday, Dan Skipper more than held his own against a very, very tough Washington interior defensive line. He allowed one sack, two hurries, and zero quarterback hits on 37 pass, pass blocking snaps. And the sack he gave up was one many other guards with far more experience than him tend to give up anyway. So uh, you could say he more than held his own. Dan Skipper, what a very inspiring story. And I am rooting for Dan Skipper every step of the way. And I hope he gets a lot more opportunities going forward. Who is your vote of the week, Cal? Great point. Boy, that's a tough one to follow up here, David. But uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to go with uh, somebody not known a lot in the uh, NFL circles as well. But I think he's getting his name out here after last week. And that's Mike Caldwell, defensive coordinator for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's a first-year defensive coordinator there in Jacksonville. And his team shut down and shut out the Indianapolis Colts with that great running game. And Matty Ryan there at quarterback. An incredible performance, getting a number of young players on that defense ready to play at a high level. He's uh, He came to... Jacksonville from Tampa Bay. He's part of that Todd Bowles family. Uh, so, you know, that's an aggressive attacking defense there, um, getting those young players. And especially, I have to just throw this name out here because one of our 
favorite players in the draft, and he's nobody's talking about him in his rookie season. Devin Lloyd, linebacker. Caldwell was a linebacker's coach for many, many years, and Devin Lloyd was a star in that game against Indianapolis and only his second career game. So uh, greatest of the week. Kudos, Mike Caldwell. Um, I think a lot of teams are taking note of him here this week and uh, adding him to that future head coaching roles because this young coach is making an impact uh, for Jacksonville so far. Oh, that's a phenomenal choice there, Hell, I completely agree. Not only did Devin Lloyd look outstanding last week, Trayvon Walker has also looked outstanding so far this season. And we criticized the Jaguars for taking Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson, who we consider more of a proven commodity. But Trayvon Walker so far has shut most of us doubters up, and rightfully so. And uh, he is just uh, flashing that freakish athleticism, that disciplined run defense. He is going to be a star in Jacksonville long-term as well, I think. And a lot of that is due to Mike Caldwell being his coach. I completely agree. And what about your dunce of the week, Cal? Uh, well, uh, boy, this is a tough one. There's, there's quite a few options available. Um, I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to leave alone the, the Kirk Cousins and low-hanging fruit there in that Minnesota offense um, since I've already been in that Philly-Minnesota game. But Boy, I'll tell you, just this morning, I, I, I rewatched the uh, Raiders game going up against uh, Arizona and that fourth quarter comeback by Arizona and, you know, Raiders fumbling away. But I've really, the thing that turned out to me that I, my eyes were stuck on is three years, 52 million, 32 million guaranteed. And where was Chandler Jones in that game? I did not see him in the backfield that entire fourth quarter and overtime. He was the invisible man. He was the invisible man in week one. Now you compare him to what Buffalo got for another aging pass rusher and Von Miller, the impact that he had in week one and the way he's got these young players around him in Buffalo rushing the passer as well. You can see his influence. They're getting the bang for their buck in Buffalo. They're not getting it in Las Vegas right now from Chandler Jones. He looked invisible for all that money. They need more out of him. I'm putting Chandler Jones as my dunce of the week. Ooh, very, very interesting choice. I wanted to go with a certain someone again, and I'm sure you know who that someone is, but instead I'm going to go with the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Browns. How do you choke a lead like that in 90 seconds up 13 points? You give up a quick touchdown. You can't recover the outside kick and you allow a touch again. They win the game. That took me down memory lane to the year 2001 when the Browns were up 14 points against the bears here in Chicago and uh, the bears uh, score a garbage time touchdown Then they recover the outside kick and complete a hail Mary at the edge of the time of game and go to overtime. And for the second straight week, the same defensive player, Mike Brown gets a pick six. Uh, it just uh, was deja vu for me watching the Browns choke like that last week, but uh, the football gods, and I am going to be blunt here. They were right to bring that on the Browns organization after what they did by bringing in Deshaun Watson, a man who was accused by countless women of sexual assault and giving him all that money. 
and having a minority, and let me be clear, a minority, but a noisy minority, the fan base, uh, putting up displays and wearing jerseys, mocking the women that accused Deshaun Watson. Oh my oh. God, that was dis- I was disgusted when I saw those pictures. My goodness. Uh, for most of you Browns fans, I am very, very sorry you had to endure that last Sunday, but uh, it was a rightful punishment by the football gods. That's all I can say. David, last week in my challenge flag, I gave it to the Cleveland Browns, and I said, the last thing I said was, you can't be giving up 17 points in the fourth quarter again, and that's exactly what they did. (laughs) So, Cleveland, I'm with you 100%. Dunce of the week, oh my God, washing my hands on them here. (laughs) Terrible, terrible performance. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. And now let's go to a new game here on SportsCrunch. It's called Panic or Patience. And in this game, we're going to talk about four teams that have begun the season winless and determine whether we need to panic or be more patient with them. Starting with the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. That Super Bowl hangover is very, very real indeed. And uh, it looks like, at least so far, they're off with some line problems haven't gotten better at all because Joe Burrow has been pressured 30 times in both games uh, so far total, 15 in each game, and he is 0-7-1 all-time in his career when pressured 15 or more times in a single game. So for the Bengals, panic or patience? Oh, it's got to be panic. I mean, miraculous run last year. Look, they're they're resetting to the mean, however you want to refer to that. You know, they're looking like, they're at about an eight or a nine win team. Look, we said it, Super Bowl hangover. The other thing that you have to factor in, and I say this every year, David, is that the NFL schedule, that first place schedule, that is for real, okay? <laughs> They've got a tough, tough schedule. There's no breaks in that schedule. There's no easy games coming up for Cincinnati. Uh, at all i mean one little stretch maybe in october and you know you've got uh, atlanta on there but beyond that i mean this is not an easy go for the bengals this year and it's tough coming back and there's a lot of pressure on and like you said i'd be concerned about that offensive line and there's not much you can do about it except cross your fingers and uh hope they gel because there's a huge investment in there and there's nobody nobody out there that you're going to bring in and plug and play in that offensive line so panic in cincinnati without a doubt a lot of people have been obliterating this team in recent days the indianapolis colts because they have been sluggish so far on offense they needed a miraculous fourth quarter comeback in houston to tie that game there and they looked absolutely lost last week down in Jacksonville, as you said earlier, when we were talking about Mike Caldwell. So panic or patience in Indy? Uh, I mean, it, it's got to be panic. I mean, mm. you know, I Owen to start. It's I I don't like what I see out of Matt Ryan so far. Uh, they're all one and one, Hal. They're well, not 0-2. I mean, that they should be Owen too. Let's face it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I count. You should have played for the win, Lovey. You should have played for the win. (laughs) Right, exactly. And that tie is a a loss in my mind, okay? Because you should have won that game going away with 
500 yards of offense, including overtime, that you shouldn't be losing those. Look, they're 0-2. Who do they have on their schedule on Sunday this week? Kansas City. This is not getting easier for Indianapolis, you know? I mean, Kansas City. Tennessee's next, right? At Denver. You can say whatever you want about the Broncos, David, (laughs) but you still got Russell Wilson there. And going into Denver on a Thursday night short week is a tough assignment. I could see the Colts at 0-5 very easily. Very easily. Oh. I could see them 0-5 and coming back home and looking at Jacksonville again. And, you know, that could be an ugly, ugly start of the season for the Colts. I'm pressing the panic button in Indianapolis. If it's me, I'm staring down an 0-5 right now. Panic, panic, panic. I feel the same way about the Broncos as you do about the Colts and translation. (laughs) I think we got to be a little more patient with the Colts, even though uh, I am not too high on their chances against the chiefs this week. And we'll talk about that later. I believe that they win against Tennessee following uh, Kansas city and they beat the Broncos as well. I think the Colts uh, will be in the thick of the playoff race by the end of the year, regardless and uh, moving on to the Raiders panic or patience. Raiders, I'm going to give a little bit of a patience here. I mean, a lot of bad luck here. Let's face it. They haven't been blown out. They've been in these games. Now, in that division, you might have to panic a little because you've still got Kansas City and the Chargers. But, you know, nine, ten wins, wild card. I, I, I can see the Raiders there. I don't think it's quite a panic they've got some they've dug a little hole but they should bounce back there's too much talent on that team on both sides of the ball for uh this to be a terrible downward spiral here i think they'll get it turned around they'll get some w's up on the board here and they can get to that bye week two and three i think they'll be fine I would have to agree with you there, my friend. And last but not least, for panic or patience, we mentioned our skepticism about this team before week one, the Tennessee Titans, and voila, they're 0-2. Panic or patience in Tennessee. Uh, Could we say Malik Willis time coming up? Well, you didn't look that great either. At the end of the game. But but yeah, I mean, I I think there's got to be a little bit of panic. And the reason for that for Tennessee is 28 year old running back. He's a physical specimen unseen in the NFL. But man, other than one carry in that game, other than one carry in the first two games of the season, I haven't seen Derrick Henry look like Derrick Henry. And I kind of wonder, is it's, you know, that foot injury, is it lingering? Is there something he's tentative? He's not a hundred percent mentally. I don't know what that is, but if he's still running the ball at a three yards per rush attempt here going forward, it's going to be a long, long season in Tennessee. So yeah, I'm feeling a little panic, I think. And to add to that panic, uh, Taylor Lewan, uh, the Titans yes. were 
theory that he was lost for the season with a knee injury he suffered Monday night. He is seeking second opinions at that, but either way, it looks like he's going to be on the show for a while. So uh, that's even more reason to panic for Derrick Henry and that Titans uh, running game. And now it's time to play our favorite game, truth or exaggeration. You know how this one works. I make a statement and you let me know whether you think I'm telling the truth or whether I'm exaggerating and why. And we start in Dallas at the NFL league leader in sacks for the first two weeks of the season. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons will win 2022 NFL Defensive Player of the Year honors. Truth or exaggeration? Mm, tough one there. I'm going to go with a little bit of an exaggeration, all not because of anything that he does on the field. I think, especially with Dallas, leaving him at the pass rushing role, Great fit for him. Great for the stats. He's proven he's a fantastic pass rusher uh, stepping into that role last year. I just wonder if Dallas is, you know, going to fall out of the public eye a little bit with the, you know, the way they're playing. They're looking like about a six, seven win team, maybe. So uh, I think those outside factors may have a little bit of a role there that kind of diminishes Parsons impact but that said you know I can see him putting up 20 sacks no problem with being right in that discussion but maybe it goes to somebody on a team that's uh you know gonna make the playoffs this year so fair point and back to Motown where Almond Ross St. Brown who last Sunday tied the NFL record with at least eight receptions in eight straight games He's already a top 10 wide receiver in the NFL. Truth or exaggeration? Top 10. See, now, now you get mm, not a top 10 pass catcher, pat, top 10 wide receiver. So I got to throw out the Travis Kelsey's and Mark Andrews from my top 10 here. Uh, I'm going to say still a little bit of an exaggeration. I'm trying to do the list in my head. I got Adams, Cup, Diggs, Hill, Jefferson. Debo, Brown, Chase, Evans, uh, Allen. Uh, Portland you know, Sutton, Mike Williams. Yeah, you know, Christian Kirk's looking like uh, he's deserving of that money. Jalen Waddle all of a sudden. Tyree Kill, yeah. Hill, Thielen, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I got to put him on that second level. You know, let 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 let's have him get a thousand yard receiving year first, and then we'll think about him in the top ten. A little early for it, but on his way, top twenty definitely, top fifteen. I could make a case for him sneaking in, but a uh, little a little bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see the Sun God continuing to improve his game, which has uh, never ceased to impress so far in his young career. And back to the city of brotherly love, where Jalen Hurts, who on Monday night became the first player in NFL history to have an 80% or higher completion rate, 300 or more passing yards, and two rushing touchdowns in a single game, will be considered by most as a top 10 quarterback by season's end. Truth or exaggeration? I'm going to truth on there. I am drinking the Jalen Hurts water. I am all in on Jalen Hurts. I had big question marks in the last season. By mid-season, I was 
done with Jalen Hurts, and then he you know, turned it around. Credit to Nick Sirianni and uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator there in Philly. They got him passing the ball effectively. They're still working in using his legs effectively. He's a true dual threat quarterback. Um, yeah, I, I'm all in. Truth, truth, truth on Jalen Hurts. Yep, he has those Eagles looking like serious uh, contenders, dare I say Super Bowl contenders, given that weak NFC. Completely agree there. And moving on to another Super Bowl contender in the NFC, the San Francisco 49ers, who lost quarterback Trey Lance for the season due to a broken ankle. However, the decision to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for at least one more season has never looked wiser, and several players told Mike Silver, the uh, noted uh, NFL reporter who now covers the team exclusively for the uh, San Francisco Chronicle, they told him that they think they're already a better team with Garoppolo under center. So truth or exaggeration, the 49ers are a far better team with Jimmy Garoppolo under center than with Trey Lance under center. Uh, I hate to say it, but I think it's a truth. You know, I, I thought that before this season. I think it now, you know, I, I don't know, Dave. I had planned all year to be kicking around Trey Lance. And now I, I, now I feel horrible, you know, that, that gruesome ankle injury. Oh, poor guy. I, I feel terrible for him, but, yeah. but yeah, my plan all year was to kick Trey Lance. That, that was it. That was my whole season booked there. And now I can't do that, but yeah, I, I think Jimmy Garoppolo, the understanding of the offense, the execution of it, the accuracy passing, which is so, so important in that offense. And, you know, Again, with Trey Lance, I think we're going to come back next year and be asking the exact same questions again. And you know, it's not yeah. going to improve rehabbing for sure. So, yeah, that's a, that's a big question mark for the 49ers. And you have to wonder if Kyle Shanahan should have put his foot down and said, no, we're taking who I want at quarterback and made that tough decision to take to either not trade up or take Mac Jones and go with Mac Jones, who like Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he'd be a perfect fit in that offense. So yeah, I'm going to say truth better with Garoppolo than Lance. And we have to keep in mind, Trey Lance only played one game in 2020 due to COVID. He had uh, just two spot starts last season and he's missing most of this season. So he's going to go three straight years with barely even playing football. And that is an ominous sign for his development. And we are just wishing Trey Lance the very best in his recovery and hoping that he beats the odds when he returns. And given the disastrous, and I mean disastrous, start of the Nathaniel Hackett experiment in Denver, the Broncos should be keeping a very close eye on Sean Payton's situation, who told uh, Nick Underhill and Mike Triplett, the uh, two veterans of the Saints speak today, that if the perfect situation for head coaching arises next season, he will look into it. Truth or exaggeration? You know, I I, I want to say it's an exaggeration, but but boy, it's, it's been ugly so far in Denver. And you know, we saw with the Josh McDaniels 1.0 there in Denver that uh, the fans in Denver are not going to stand for mediocre head coaches. It's not going to happen. They are, you know, one of the most vocal and intelligent fan bases out there. Mm -hmm. the, yeah, I'll tell you, I, I love 
how that city, that state is just so in love and fanatic about that, that team and the media coverage there. So many great writers in Bronco country as well. They're going to stay on top of it. They're not going to let up. If this doesn't work out in year one, pull the plug. I think, yeah, it's, I, I want to say it's an exaggeration and he's going to bounce back and things are going to be better and we'll all laugh about this later. But, you know, some guys just eh, cut out for it there. And that's a under the microscope kind of position there. You're not, you know, um, I guess everywhere is in the NFL these days. You're not hiding anymore like you mm-hmm. used to be able to. But but yeah, for Hackett, if, if Hackett can't hack it, it's <laughs> going to be over quick. So I, I got to go with the truth. And you forgot this important point. The new Broncos ownership who took ownership of the team officially in August, the Walton Penner group, they didn't hire Nathaniel Hackett. So if this continues, they, uh, with their uh, deep pockets, might be more than willing to kiss Nathaniel Hackett goodbye and try to go all in to acquire Sean Payton if he's interested. So that is something to keep in mind as well. Great point. Great point. It's, you know, you hate to be two games into the season and he's a lame duck coach already, but yeah, deep pockets and didn't hire him. That's a great point, David. Definitely. And now on to one of the three teams that uh, made uh, a come from behind victory last week in the New York Jets. The Jets will win six to seven games this season. Truth or exaggeration? Can I put a caveat on there and say, if they keep Joe Flacco at quarterback, <laughs> the Jets will win six or seven games because I definitely see that. And uh, I believe that with Flacco, yes, this offense has some excellent young playmakers. They're improved on the offensive line. The defense is coming along slowly. Um so I, I kind of want to say, yeah, with Flacco, I'm gonna give that as a give that as a truth so yeah yeah truth we'll go with the truth and you know know, maybe flacky will get four wins (laughs) three four wins before he gets replaced and then come back in who knows so yeah i'll I'll give it a truth all right and last but not least for truth or exaggeration to another afc east team the miami dolphins truth or exaggeration the miami dolphins are a serious threat to win the afc east uh, I don't want to stomp all over this Tua love, but I'm going to go with an exaggeration here a little. Um, let me let me throw out some names here, and uh, we'll say Jalen Armour Davis, Demarion Williams, two fourth-round picks, rookies that were on the field for that Miami comeback in that Baltimore secondary. Marcus Peters, his first game since Week 16, 2020. Uh, Marlon Humphreys did not have a Marlon Humphrey did not have a lot of help out there in Baltimore uh, last week against Miami. So, can I give it a little bit of an exaggeration? As good as that offense looked and lit up Baltimore, that was a secondary with a lot of troubles. Baltimore has not gotten to the quarterback like. Uh, kind of expected that they would this season. So a little bit of a caveat. Um, you know, I did see a lot of that Miami offense moving the ball, but not explosive in week one against the Patriots. And you want to say, 
Is it the Miami offense? Was it the Patriots defense? Uh, because really they had one score by the defense and a fluke fourth and seven uh, slant right before halftime. That was the only play that got them in the end zone when two, two Patriots players bumped into each other and fell down. So you're almost looking like, eh, you know, didn't score a touchdown in week one. And eh, well, Baltimore, will give that a little bit of a extenuating circumstances. So um, not to, uh, you know, lead into our next segment, but it's a big test this week and I'm not sure they're going to pass it. So <laughs> I'm going to go with an exaggeration here. And what better opportunity is there for the Dolphins to turn that into a truth than by playing the Buffalo Bills extra hard this weekend? The Buffalo Bills, the first two weeks of the season, they have shown everybody why it is clear as day why they are the favorites to win Super Bowl 57. And that is our game of the week down at uh, Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, the Bills at the Dolphins. And when you look at this game, I like to look at the matchup between the Bills defense against the Dolphins offense, because I think this one could easily decide the game. According to true media sports, the Buffalo defense has registered the second highest pressure rate in the NFL at 41.6% of all drop back passes. And they've only blitzed three times. Get that just three times blitzing. And they've gotten pressure on 41.6% of drop backs. Do you think this is the recipe? for stopping this offensive juggernaut that Mike McDaniel seems to be building in Miami. Yes, yes, I definitely do. I mean, let, let's face it. The Bills don't have the secondary to stop uh, many offenses here in the NFL right now. Uh, you know, Jordan Poyer can't cover everybody, you know, and uh, he was uh, actually surprisingly was uh, injured. Uh, yeah, he was injured a little bit this week, too. So uh, He was limited on, uh, yeah. today in practice. Micah Hyde did not practice because of that so, neck injury. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, so you got both safeties dinged up. Dane Jackson, of course, we saw what, you know, prayers. I mean, uh, sounds like an encouraging report, but don't know if he'll be back for Sunday as well. So very limited in that secondary coming into this game. But, yeah, that pass rush, you know, like I talked about with, you know, making Chandler Jones stand out, uh, the Vaughn Miller effect. He has not only come in and continued his Hall of Fame pass rushing career, but lifted everyone around him. And, you know, this team is just looking better and better and better up front. That front seven is just unstoppable uh, with Vaughn Miller so far through two weeks. So, yeah, they've got to get... Uh, too uh, uncomfortable, contained in that pocket. And hey, I'll tell you, I trust this Bills defense to be able to do that. I think that's going to be the blueprint and uh, be very interested to see how that plays out on the field on Sunday. Absolutely. Getting pressure on Tua has to be the top priority because he isn't really the center of this offense. The center of this offense, you could argue, is the best wide receiver duo in the NFL right now in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. And they uh, present a mismatch advantage that I think is the best mismatch advantage you can find anywhere in the NFL. Speed, 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 speed. And uh, my question is here, what do you think the better mismatch weapon is? Size or speed? 
because Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle definitely make a strong case that it's the latter. Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely. If, if it was size, we'd have MVP tight ends every week. Let's face it. You know, so <laughs> yeah, speed kills in the NFL. Um, it's a speed league at this point. And, and Waddle and Hill, yeah, you've got to come up with some kind of, uh, you know, uh, game plan that's going to keep your safeties deep and not up helping out against the run or anything like that. You cannot let these guys behind you because they will wreck you. Um, we saw that last week. You got to keep them in front of you. You've got to make them work for that yak and catch those short passes and try to make a play out of it. Um, you know, if you're holding Tyreek Hill to, you know, a seven yard gain, hey, you're doing pretty good there in that situation. So that's what they've got to do is contain that speed. And like I said, with that secondary in Buffalo, tough, tough, tough matchup. Yep, a very tough matchup indeed. It could be the uh, biggest uh, advantage the Dolphins have on paper uh, in this game. And now let's talk about more of the key matchups that will decide this uh, AFC East showdown for first place. Uh, you mentioned Von Miller. Uh, the Dolphins have improved their offensive line quite a bit, but right tackle remains a head scratcher. Austin Jackson is on the shelf right now, and journeyman Greg Little now mans that right tackle spot. And uh, you can bet Von Miller is going to be going up against him most of the time. So, uh, Greg Little, uh, you're going to get help from, from your tight ends and Alec Ingold and your running backs as well to chip Von. But uh, uh, maybe that might not be enough. You're going to have to do more than your fair share of the work to keep Von off of Tua. That's a great point, David. And, you know, help from the tight ends. You know, Mike Kosicki's not really a tight end. He's not sticking his nose in there and blocking <laughs> Von Miller. I'll tell you that much right now. So you're going to see more of uh, Durham Smythe there as your tight end, which is taking a playmaker off the field for Miami. If he's going to, if you're going to have to get your blocking tight end out there and uh, have Gesicki on the bench, you're taking a big target, uh, you know, big play tight end slot wide receiver, whatever you want to call what, what he is. Um, but yeah, you're taking a playmaker out of the offense there and that's not good for the Miami offense. Uh, you know, the Miami offense in any way, shape or form. And like we said with Buffalo, you know, Vaughn Miller's going to be there, but Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham, AJ Espano at two sacks in the first week of the season, you know, these guys are, you know, they went through the Vaughn Miller pass rushing camp this summer. It looks yeah, like because, did. because they all, all three of these young high draft picks look improved. And, you know, Miller comes off the field for a few snaps to rest up and there's no break for Greg little over there at right tackle. <laughs> there's going to be no break at all. It's going to be constant pressure. And, you know, the other matchup as well, we're going to, you know, I look at it and, look at Miami and I'm going to say, you know, are they going to be able to run the ball? Um, you know, they've got a whole bunch of running backs there. Um, but are any of them going to be able to run against that front seven of the bills? Because, you know, we really haven't seen Miami run the ball so far this year. You know, you got Moster, Chase Edmonds, um, you know, neither one of them has been too impressive in the first two weeks neither one of them has had much of an opportunity in the first okay. two weeks either so 
you know, I think your only hope against Buffalo is, you know, uh, slow that pass rush down by running right through them. Uh, but Miami, I don't know if they can do that. Oh, you bring up a very, very good point there, especially considering how important running the ball is at the Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel offense. And don't forget, Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator for the 49ers last year. It's very important. And I think Mike McDaniel is going to stress to his team that it's very important to get that run game going against Buffalo because you got to keep Josh Allen off the field, first and foremost, for long stretches. You just do. And it not only slows down that pass rush, if you get that run game going, it'll force the Bills to bring one of their safeties down in the box to free up Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill to make a big play over the top. That is how you're going to have to beat the Bills uh, on your offense, Dolphins. That's all there is to it. And uh, let's uh, switch sides uh, with that uh, Dolphins defense against the Bills uh, offense. Uh, Stephon Diggs is just a monster. That's all there is to it. But Xavier Howard is uh, one of the top five corners in this game, arguably. And I think Xavier Howard is going to be shadowing Diggs all game long, especially with Byron Jones uh, still on the sidelines. Yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, for Miami, they that secondary, you know, you've got some questions at that cornerback position when you're looking at Nick Needham as your number two cornerback. And with Buffalo, the weapons that they roll out there, you know, that offense, as great as Stefan Diggs is, you know, Gabriel Davis, is he going to be able to play or not? But he is. Jake, it looks like he is. Excellent for Buffalo. But yeah. Jake Kumaro looked great last week. He, he sure did. He pitches. sure did. You know, you just pull him out of your back pocket. And, you know, what hasn't gotten on track, the only criticism I can make of the Buffalo offense so far this season has been replacing Cole Beasley in the slot. Isaiah McKenzie's had a couple of drops, hasn't really uh, made any big, big plays for Buffalo yet. And he was somebody that I've had my eye on uh, McKenzie as somebody who can be, a, you know, expecting to make a big impact this year for Buffalo. I thought this was his year and he really has only got, you know, what, four catches through two games. So, um, you know, isolate him in the slot. He could be a secret weapon for Buffalo here if Diggs is getting uh, shut down by Howard. So, a lot of weapons there. That Miami secondary, they're going to need a lot of help from those safeties as well. They've got, uh, you know, some good ones back there, but, you know, they're not great one-on-one -on -one pass coverage guys. So you're going to have to see a lot of help from that Miami secondary and try as you might. It's tough to get pressure on Josh Allen because when you do, he's great at extending that play outside of the pocket. And that accuracy does not drop when he's on the move. Um, you know, I think that's one of the most underrated things that, you know, in the old days of the 80s and 90s, the Peyton Mannings, the Tom Brady's, you got him out of the pocket and running. There was a good chance that that pass was off target. Uh, these days with the Patrick Mahomes, the Justin Herberts, the Josh Allens, they're just as accurate outside of the pocket and on the move and maybe even more dangerous in that situation. So for Miami, tough matchup there, but they're going to have to find a way to, to shut down those Bills receivers and be interesting to see if they're up for the challenge. It most certainly will. And uh, who do you think prevails Sunday afternoon in South Florida, the Bills or the Finns? You know, I, I, I'd like to give Miami a, a chance to win this game, but 
I just don't see it happening. Um, I think the Bills are just too much on offense, too much pass rush on defense. And, uh, you know, if they can get one of those two safeties healthy for Sunday, they should be fine in the pass defense. So I've got Buffalo taking it 33 to 20 over the Dolphins. If last Sunday showed me anything, it is this. Tua Tungavailoa is a man on a mission. He is out to prove every single doubter wrong, and he's got the supporting cast to help him do it. Uh, Mike McDaniel is going to give uh, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill a lot of opportunities uh, against those Bills linebackers and safeties in the middle of the field, and they're going to absolutely uh, break their knees a lot of the time in this game and uh, get a lot of yak yardage after the catch. And uh, I think that uh, mismatch will be enough to propel the Dolphins to an upset. It's my upset Ooh. smash of the week. I'm going with the Dolphins, 30 to 27, <laughs> two a time, baby, two a time. <laughs> I love two. it. It is two a time indeed, Hal. And now from South Florida to more Central Florida, Eastern Central Florida, we'll call it. The Tampa Bay Bucks and Tom Brady hosting Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. We obviously know about the Packers wide receiver situation in this uh, early post Devontae Adams era, but the Bucks wide receiver situation for this game is not that much better. Uh, Chris Godwin is hurt. Julio Jones is hurt. Mike Evans is suspended for this game. So are we really looking at an Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady clash that turns out to be a low scoring defensive slugfest? I think we actually might, David. I mean, this is uh, the Tampa Bay defense has been legit. They look like they haven't dropped off at all uh, in 2022. Uh, they're the number one defense without a doubt. And, you know, Green Bay, a little hiccup in week one. I think that's a uh, annual tradition now, I guess we can <laughs> call it. You know, everybody get used to it. Week one in, for Green Bay is going to be off the charts in the wrong direction, but uh, they certainly turned that defense around last week. Um, that that Bears offense was offensive. Uh, the only term I can use for it against Green Bay. So, so yeah, I mean, this could come down to a low-scoring uh, battle of the defenses and uh, coming back to which one of these Hall of Fame players is going to make that one big play in the fourth quarter uh, to pull this game out? I think this could be a uh, good old-fashioned, low-scoring, great, fun game to watch, um, non-video game high scores. I like that kind of football. And speaking of that kind of football, let's talk about some of the matchups up front that are going to determine the outcome of this game Sunday in Tampa. We love Kenny Clark. We've loved Kenny Clark for a long time yeah. and for good reason. He has proven time and time again why he is one of the best interior defensive linemen in this game. And I think he has a very favorable matchup going against a newly constituted Tampa interior offensive line with uh, Robert Hainsey, uh, Shaq Mason, and rookie Luke Gedeke. Uh, I think that's a mismatch. And uh uh, and Tom Brady's going to have to be very, very careful because I think Kenny Clark could be in his face all day long. Yeah, and, you know, if there's one blueprint for stopping Tom Brady, it's pressure up the middle 
And uh, like you said, there's not many that do it much better than Kenny Clark. So they're going to have to be drawing something up in Tampa Bay for uh, Tom Brady to be comfortable enough to get that ball out uh, to whoever ends up catching the ball for him. Russell Gage, Julio Jones, Perriman, whoever, Scotty Miller, uh, whoever's going to be catching the ball on the, the receiving end. So. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge matchup. That was a, a big concern coming out of training camp, and I think it still is a concern for Tampa, that interior offensive line, and not getting any breaks this week. Definitely. And uh, speaking of uh, receiving options for the Bucks, I think they're going to utilize uh, Leonard Fournette and rookie Rashad White out of that backfield is passing options. I could see that all the time, but the Packers now have speed, 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 speed at that off-ball linebacker position with rookie Quay Walker and Devondre Cabell. Both of those guys should have their eyes on that backfield because I could see Leonard Fournette and Richard White and other Bucks running backs going out for passes all game long because of the absence of Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin, most likely. Yeah, and, and you factor in uh, pressure up the middle from – Kenny Clark or, or Jaron Reed and uh, yeah Tom Brady's going to be looking for that outlet pass ASAP uh, getting the ball out of his hands definitely um, going to be looking to those running backs in that situation no doubt about it um, should see a lot of targets like you said White and Fournette especially getting that ball out of the, the backfield and uh, trying to make up some yards after the catch there. No doubt about it. Any other matchups uh, you have your eye on this game, Hal? Well, I mean, you know us, we love talking about those trenches and uh, Elston Jenkins, big impact for Green Bay in week two, playing over at right tackle and going to be an interesting matchup this week for him because uh, we do know Tampa Bay can bring that heat with that pass rush and they can go right up the middle, whether it's Vita Bay attacking that interior offensive line or Joe Tryon Shoyinka coming off the edge along with Shaq Barrett. So uh, those tackles are going to be tested in Green Bay. They've held up so far this season. Uh, you know, be nice if they, I, I think Aaron, uh, Rodgers would feel a lot better if he had David Bakhtiari back uh, as well, but we know he's not playing this week. So uh, it's going to be a lot of pressure on those tackles. That's what let them down in week one. Um, and like I said, you know, uh, getting Jenkins back was a big improvement for that offensive line, a big part of why that offense was able to move the ball a little better in week two, but a lot tougher test than that Bears front seven uh, coming in here this week with Tampa. So uh, that, I think that's a big matchup as well, flipping it the other way. And who do you like in this game between the Packers and the Bucks, which could be an NFC championship preview? Yeah, I mean, the, these are two very strong teams. I just think based on the, on the weapons, you know, I, I think I got to give Aaron Rodgers even on the road, a little bit of an edge. I think he's going to, um, you know, whether he involves Randall Cobb, Amari Rogers, somebody's going to make a, uh, a catch and a run and a big play there for him. And 
I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be close, but I think Green Bay will pull it out somehow, 17 to 16 over the box. I wanted to pick the Packers because my heart believes in this defense, but after factoring in Aaron Rodgers' history in Tampa and the fact that uh, the Packers' offensive line is going to be at a bit of a mismatch against that Bucks defensive front, I still trust Tampa's offensive line to handle the Packers front more than I do the Packers to handle the Bucks front. That's going to be the deciding factor in this game. My head wins over my heart. I am going with the Bucks in a 19 to 16 game. And now let's pick the rest of these week three games. We start with tonight in Cleveland where the Browns host the Steelers. Uh, as you know, Mike Tomlin is my favorite NFL head coach, period. No offense to Bill Belichick, but if there was any NFL head coach I would want to play for, it would be Mike Tomlin, easily Mike Tomlin. But as much as I wanted to pick the Steelers in this game, the TJ Watt factor reared its ugly head last week. They just could not pressure Mac Jones. And Jacoby Brissett is not Mac Jones, don't get me wrong, but they are going to be missing TJ Watt, not only getting after the quarterback, but in that run game as well. I think the Browns do just enough to eke out a traditional AFC North a defensive slug fest, 16 to 13. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, got slug fest written all over it. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think uh, this could be the going away party um, in Pittsburgh for uh, Mitch Trubisky because he has not looked good in two weeks and as good as Kenny Pickett looked in the preseason and as much as they want to bring him along slowly I think they're getting to the point where uh, they're running out of options obviously on a short week you're not going to make the quarterback change here but with 10 days off in between I'm thinking oh this could be the perfect opportunity uh, Pittsburgh fall on your face Trubisky throw three or four picks and mm -hmm. we could give everybody in Pittsburgh what they want, which is Kenny Pickett back at quarterback. But, but, oh, my faith in the Browns. I just <laughs> don't have any, um, I, it, you know, the, the talent there on both sides of the ball, they should be much better. I, I'm going back. You know what? Uh, I'm going to flip and I'm going to flop one more time. Call me a waffle. I, I'm going to give it to Cleveland uh, 20 to 16 ushering in the new era of Kenny Pickett starting in week four for Pittsburgh. Uh, but somehow Cleveland won't give up 17 points in the fourth quarter and hang on to win this one. So Cleveland 20 Pittsburgh 16. Yeah, Hal, and don't worry. Uh, there's no shame in being a waffle. They're delicious. <laughs> yeah, yes. And uh, sticking in the AFC North, the Bengals in that 0-2 goal traveled to East Rutherford to take on the Jets. And kind of like the Steelers-Browns, my heart wanted to pick the Jets. I love a lot of that young town on their team with Garrett Wilson and those uh, skill position players on offense and that young defense with Sauce Gardner, that deep, talented pass rush, Quinn and Williams, Jermaine Johnson, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers. But I just do not see Joe Burrow and the Bengals starting 0-3. I see them getting back on track. I think they win, but the Jets cover the spread 
20 to 17 Bengals. You know, like I said, you know, panic in Cincinnati, definitely. Um, but I think this can be a little bit of a getting, th- getting things back on track kind of game. Uh, you know, can they shut down the elite quarterback of the NFL, the passing leader, Joe Flacco, slow that attack? Yeah, I think they probably can. I think Cincinnati's going to have a little bit of an easier go of it. Um, you know, as, as much as I love Sauce Gardner, he's uh, doing a lot of learning so far. And uh, these Cincinnati wide receivers are nobody to scoff at. I think Cincinnati uh, gets it up into the 30s. I have it Cincinnati 31, New York 17. Your Patriots host Lamar Jackson and the Ravens fresh off that fourth quarter implosion last week against the Dolphins. Uh, But I still think, no offense, the Ravens are the better team. Oh, yeah. Uh, Lamar uh, is going to be just fine. He might have had limited practice day due to uh, typical soreness in his throwing arm, but uh, it's uh, it's uh, no problem whatsoever. Uh, and uh, I think uh, the Patriots are going to play tough. Don't get me wrong. I think uh, it's going to be a tough game throughout all four quarters, but uh, I think the Ravens are going to be getting a lot of key players back this week, and I think that'll be enough for them to eke out a hard-earned 21-16 to win. Sound that simpatico alert, David. (laughs) I am almost exactly on that same score i have it baltimore 20 new england 17 so uh we are both on the right thinking there i mean lamar let's face it i mean this guy is just oh you know he's an elite quarterback he can sling it he can run it i mean they've got no running game there in the first two weeks of the season outside of lamar i mean he (laughs) I mean, they just cast off Central there until they get some running backs healthy and can get uh, Dobbins or somebody back. So, uh, yes, definitely some flaws, definitely some flaws in that secondary as well as we saw with that Miami comeback. I just think, uh, you know, Baltimore, uh, you know, if there's one thing that in this era of John Harbaugh coach is that they bounce back. They do. And, you know, you know that he and uh, you know new defensive coordinator Mike McDonald are embarrassed by what happened last week, and I think they'll come back strong. And that's why I've got the Ravens taking it, as I said, 20 to 17 over the Patriots. We have an NFC North battle in Minnesota as the Vikings host the Lions, and both of the games between these two teams last season came down to the final play, and I think we could be looking at a similar game this year. And last year, the Lions were in oh so many close games, yet the ball didn't bounce the right way oh so often, but they are due for a regression to the mean, and it starts this week in Minnesota. I like the Lions in a close one. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be a close one here. I, you know, I I don't know what to make of Minnesota. You know, they, they, they go from looking good. Uh, they look like world beaters against Green Bay in week one, and then they fall flat on their face against the Eagles dominated on both sides of the ball. I don't think they're as good as they were in week one. I don't think they're as bad as they were in week two. Um, what I do know, though, is, you know, is, Jared Goff and that offense good enough to keep putting up enough points to 
uh, allow them to outscore opponents. I don't think that happens this week. I'm going with Minnesota. I've got it a close game, but 30 to 25 Vikings over the Lions. This week's stink bowl is between the Texans and the Bears in Soldier Field. Lovey Smith returning to the place where he coached for uh, nearly a decade uh, to coach against one of his pupils, Matt Eberflus, and the Chicago Bears. Uh, this is a, literally a flip of the coin. Like I said, it's the stink bowl. Oh, and yeah. uh, if this game was in Houston, I would pick the Texans. But since it's in Chicago, I'm taking the Bears. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on that one as well. Um, you know, short of a, a coming out party for Damian Pierce in Houston, I just don't see the Texans being able to do enough uh davis mills hasn't looked like the same quarterback he was last year i'm not sure what's going on there in houston so i'm very concerned taking them to win uh you know justin fields i think it's a bounce back game for him a little bit here we should have some you know hopefully he'll have some decent weather to play in and uh <laughs> you know be able to do something so yeah, definitely the stink bowl. I'll give Chicago the win 20 to 10. And from Illinois to Indiana, where the Colts, the struggling 0-1-1 Indianapolis Colts host the Kansas City Chiefs this week. And if the Colts still had Matt Eberflus as their defensive coordinator, I might pick them to win this game. But unfortunately, they do not. They have Gus Bradley as their defensive coordinator. And you know how terrible Gus Bradley's <laughs> defenses were against that Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid offense last year in two games. They were downright atrocious. And I unfortunately expect no different this time. I am not panicking on the Colts. I think they will again eventually get better, but it's going to get worse before it gets better this week. I like the Chiefs uh, 31 to 20 over the Colts, and it's going to be a relatively easy win. Kansas yeah, City. I mean, I've got it even uh, easier for Kansas City there. I just didn't like what I saw out of Indianapolis uh, so far this season. And I Kansas City, I'll tell you, I, I really thought they might take a step back without Tyreek Hill, but no way, no how. Patrick Mahomes uh, looks just as dominant as usual. Um, no drop off. I've got Kansas City winning it easy, easy, 38 to 10. Whoa. If it's that bad of a defeat, uh, people are going to be calling for heads to roll in Indy, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> And now to Music City, where the 0-2 Titans host the 0-2 Raiders. We said it's time to panic about the 0-2 Titans, but be patient about the 0-2 Raiders. I like the Raiders in this game, and it's not going to be close. Raiders 34, Titans 17. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got it a little bit closer. Um, again, you know, really concerned with Tennessee and, you know, if they can get this offense going and, you know, um, no A.J. Brown as well on that, uh, you know, receiving core seems to have really affected them as well. So, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to go with the Raiders. Like I said, they've been they haven't looked horrible this year. Uh, they've been keeping it close. And I think they get a fairly close win. Um, not much of a blow. Uh, not going to have it that much of a blowout. But 27, 22 Raiders with the W on the road. 
The Eagles at 2-0 traveled to the nation's capital to take on former Eagle Carson Wentz and the Commanders. And uh, Carson Wentz has looked pretty dang good in the second half of games, but downright atrocious in the first half of games, uh, especially last week. Uh, but when it comes to this game, I just do not see a Jack Del Rio defense being able to stop the Jalen Hurts train. Do you? Guys are going to be running open all day no long against way, that defense. No <laughs> I mean, oh, this is this has got blowout written all <laughs> over it. Um, you know, Carson Wentz, uh, he's the garbage god, let's face it, you know. Uh, but my buddy had some injuries on his fantasy team last week and was, uh, you know, the words coming out of his mouth in that first half of that game were not appropriate. And I said to him, I said, come on, you got the garbage God. <laughs> Wentz is going to take care of you fantasy wise in the second half of the season, uh, second half of that game. And he did. And, you know, he may do a little bit of that, but there might be a little extra motivation there in Philly to, to shut him down in the second half as well as that first half. So uh, I'm going to give Philly a pretty easy win. I've got it 30 to 13 over Washington. Sell that simpatico alert, Hal. Eagles in a blowout. It's gonna, they should have no problem rolling all over the commanders in DC. From the NFC East to the NFC South, the New Orleans Saints traveling to Carolina to take on the Panthers. Uh, if there is any clown car of a coaching staff outside of Denver deserving of the distinction, it's in Carolina. Matt Rule and that coaching staff, I think they're going to be the first to be fired this season, during the season, and for good reason. And uh, that Saints defense is going to be way too much for Baker Mayfield and company to handle. Uh, it's going to be a low-scoring game, but the Saints dominate, let's say, 17-3. to Yeah, I mean – I. I, I tried to look at it as I was trying to find a, you know, an upset special, but I just could not in any way wrap myself around Carolina winning this game this week. I just don't see it. Uh, New Orleans way too much. Um, I've got them 20 to 10 over Carolina, uh, reversing that score from last week against Tampa Bay. The Atlanta Falcons, who blew a big lead against those Saints in week one and almost made a stunning come from behind victory against the Rams last week from uh, 25 points down, 28 to three, the same lead they held in the Super Bowl. Oh my God. Oh my God. That would have been a glorious story, uh, but they came up oh so short. They traveled to Seattle this weekend to take on Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks. I think it's time for the ball to bounce the Falcons way this time. And uh, I think uh, they're going to uh, correct some of the issues they have. The Falcons, uh, they might uh, not win a lot of games here, but they got a lot of promising young players on that team. Kyle Pitts, Drake London, Arnold Ebicady on defense, who's absolutely balling to start this year, man. And obviously A.J. Terrell. They got a nice young core coming together. And Arthur Smith just knows how to get the utmost out of his players. And I think uh, the Seahawks, after that fluky week one win against the Broncos, came back down to earth last week, and they're going to stay down. Uh, it's going to be close, but I like the Falcons. Yeah, I mean, where the Falcons is, you know, uh, it's a tough call. I mean, the Falcons, some close games, you know, made them close there. I don't know if I really believe in Atlanta quite yet. Now, Seattle, I don't know how they're going to get the ball into the end zone. Um, <laughs> not a great offense there. 
I just am going to say uh, they're going to figure it out somehow. Uh, I'm still giving it to Seattle here this week. Close game, 20 to 16 over the Falcons. And on to an NFC West showdown in the desert as the Cardinals host the Super Bowl champion Rams. And uh, I give the Cardinals credit for coming back last week against Raiders, but that was absolutely a fluke. And in reality, this defense is just absolutely terrible. They do not have shutdown corners. It was just a malpractice by the Raiders to not feed Devontae Adams. The Rams are going to feed Cooper Cup all game long, and the Cardinals are going to have absolutely no solution for it. I like the Rams. I, I kind of hit on my upset special last <laughs> week with Jacksonville. So <laughs> I'm thinking, you know, can I get crazier with an upset special? <laughs> you know, could I, you know, is, is there going to be one of those games where, you know, I don't know, there's a pass tipped four times that ends up in an 80 yard <laughs> touchdown for, for Arizona is, is something like that going to happen this week. And I said, you know what, why the heck not? You know, <laughs> I, I, the Rams, the, the defense hasn't quite been there where they should be yet and i said well maybe that continues one more week let's talk crazy game let's say um something ridiculous i'm gonna go with the cardinals somehow winning this game and dropping the rams to could it happen one and two why not upset special arizona 37 rams 36 for no good reason whatsoever Ah, <laughs> uh, maybe we'll hear about it in bold predictions and on to the chargers coming off that heartbreaking thursday night loss in kansas city hosting trevor lawrence in the jaguars this is going to be a very exciting game trevor lawrence against justin herbert now if justin herbert wasn't playing in this game i would pick the jaguars but it looks like he is playing in this game and with the chargers being at home and being the more talented team that is more than enough to win the jaguars may keep it close for three quarters but in the end the uh, chargers uh, being more talented and more experienced pull away in the end Chargers 34, Jaguars 24. Yeah, and I mean, Chargers at home as well. I mean, that's an advantage there. Uh, Herbert's going to play. That's, you know, they've still got the advantage at quarterback. Uh, my heart is saying, come on, Jacksonville, do it again this week. But I just can't pull the trigger on that. I'll give it a close game. I'll say the Jags will hang close. But the Chargers take it. I've got it 27 to 24. I rarely, if ever, miss an NFL game, especially a primetime game. But it, it, that might come to an end this week because in primetime, the San Francisco 49ers traveled to Denver to take on Nathaniel Hackett and his clown car coaching staff and their Denver Broncos. And I think things are actually going to get even worse for the Broncos. This game is going to be no contest whatsoever. 49ers all over them. 31 to 10. How ugly is it? Stay tuned for bold predictions. Woo, man, I'll tell you, I, I'm, I'm loving that 49ers defense, but, but, but at the same time, I've got to say, you know, that that's still Russell Wilson there. And uh, he's still a top quarterback in the NFL. And, at some point, he's going to turn this around in Denver. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's not. I still think Jimmy G is going to pull out the W, 
but I think it's going to be a whole heck of a lot closer. And I've got San Francisco winning it uh, 27 to 24 in overtime, making us stay up even later. Whoa, whoa, interesting. And on Monday night, an NFC East divisional battle between Cooper Rush and the Cowboys and the 2-0 New York football giants. <laughs> Flip a coin. <laughs> this game is so tough to predict because uh, you, you got the Cowboys and the talent they still have, even without Dak Prescott, as they showed you against the Bengals last week. But Brian Dayball can coach, man. This game is going to depend on who shines the most for the Cowboys. If Micah Parsons shines the most in this game, I think that means the Cowboys, but because it means the defense is dominating. But if Mike McCarthy overshadows Micah Parsons, that's a bad thing because I assume uh, that means Mike McCarthy is doing a bad job at coaching. And I went with my coaching instincts ahead of player instincts in this game. Because I like Brian Dayball as a coach far more than Mike McCarthy. I think he leads the Giants to a tough 20-17 to 17 win over the Cowboys to get to 3-0. I would, you know, I, I don't know why. I, I just keep finding myself picking against the Giants over and over and over again here. I don't know why it is. I, I just don't have the faith. Um, as much as I hype Brian Dayball for the last three years um, I, don't, I don't know why i'm turning on him here now but um now I, I i think dallas still is gonna have just enough to get this done um on offense that that two-headed rushing attack ezekiel elliott tony pollard might be just enough to eke out a win here much tougher than we saw it you know four to six weeks ago happening but I'm still going to go with Dallas here in an ugly primetime game. Uh, let's make it Dallas 19, Giants 17. And that concludes our picks for week three. And now let's make our bold predictions. I'll go first. The Denver Broncos have started the season with 25 penalties. That is eight more than the next closest team. And my bold prediction is, you ain't seen nothing yet. On Sunday against the 49ers, the Broncos will set the single game record for penalties with 24, breaking the record of 23 that's currently held by the Raiders from a 2016 game against the Bucks. That's how low and non-confident I am in Nathaniel Hackett. Oh, David. Oh, I hope that is not the case. Oh, goodness. But a bold prediction indeed. So, so yeah, my bold prediction's got to go to my upset special Arizona over the Rams and say, how are the, how is Arizona going to put up 37 points uh, with a, against a team with uh, Jalen Ramsey in the secondary? There's no way that's going to happen. They're going to have to attack them somehow in some other way. And lo and behold, the mighty might himself, the undrafted wide receiver, cast off from Carolina, from Wake Forest, Greg Dortch. Why not? He can catch that tipped pass four times for a big 80-yard touchdown, top 200 yards receiving, and come away with three touchdowns in this amazing upset over the Super Bowl champions. Oh, I love that one, Hal. You were bolder than me even this week. And last but not least, we conclude with our challenge flags. You go first here. 
All right. Well, um, you know, I, I, I got to challenge Nathaniel Hackett here for you, David. I'm sorry, but, you know, Nathaniel Hackett, Russell Wilson, you know, Hackett, you're legitimate offensive coordinator in Green Bay. You can't be this bad as a head coach. It's got to be butterflies or something. Uh, you're going to get this turned around. Russell Wilson, you are one of the best quarterbacks in the last decade, without a doubt. You've got weapons there uh, in Denver. There's no doubt about it. This team is way too good to be as bad as they've been in these first two weeks. So come out, it's another prime time game. Show what you can do. Familiar opponent for you, Russ. Uh, let's see what you can do against San Francisco and turn this thing around in Denver. And let's get this team back thinking about the playoffs here because with the talent you have, no excuse for it. Um, turn this around, hack it, Wilson, get it done in Denver. Good challenge. And my challenge flag is to Atlanta Falcons head coach, Arthur Smith. Arthur Smith, for the love of God, you have a unicorn playing tight end for you oh, in Kyle God. Pitts. You just targeted him three times last week and only 10 times through the first two weeks. Feed Kyle Pitts. The more you do that, the better chance you have at winning the game. You have to utilize him and Drake London equally because you got a two twin towers that are going to uh, frustrate defenses for years to come. Stop putting that plan in action and feed Kyle Pitts. That is my challenge flag for the week. And he is Hal Benton, ladies and gentlemen, a full press coverage. You can follow him on Twitter at HalBet01. Hal, thank you so much again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But we'll be back next week to recap week three, preview week four, and discuss all the latest news and notes from around the National Football League. So stay tuned. Meanwhile, be sure to follow me on Twitter at dcrom 59 as well as on Instagram and TikTok at Sports Crunch with DCROM. And remember, that's Crunch with a K. For Hal Bent, this is David Cromwell saying so long. And as always, please choose love. Please choose kindness. Please choose compassion. Please choose selflessness. Please choose empathy. And whatever your opinion on the state of our country is, please, and I mean please, do not forget to vote by November 8th. Until next time, cats and kittens, stay cool.